Hey mamas and lovers of mamas out there. Motherhood is a struggle like none I have ever experienced. I'm Kareen Santish, founder and CEO of The Mama Struggle, where we promote radical honesty surrounding the good, the bad, and the ugly aspects of motherhood in the 21st century. Take a listen as I share my own reflections on being a mom of two, on being a stay-at-home parent, and on being a fledgling business owner. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. And remember, the struggle is real. Hey guys, it's Kareen here. I am talking to you today because I want to thank you so much for supporting the Mama Struggle podcast. And I want to take this time to ask a huge favor. It's my mission to get the message of the Mama Struggle out to as many mothers who may be struggling in managing motherhood and managing chronic illness and all the things. Um, I want to get this message out to as many mothers and families as possible. And so I can't do that without your help. Please, please, please like, subscribe, and give a five-star rating to this show. If you listen on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts today, um, help me reach my goal of 100 likes by my birthday, which is September 1st. So it's about a month and a half away. So please, 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 if you like subscribe please share um the episodes anything that resonates with you you know go ahead and share it with your friends share it with your family share it with you know the mothers in your lives and birthing people in your lives i've been able to get um so much out of sharing my story with you um so thank you so much and don't forget again to like subscribe and share um, on all the platforms where you listen thank So I want to thank you both for, you know, just being so willing to give your time. Um, I appreciate it so much. You know, I know that we're busy, we're parents and, um, you know, working, doing lots of other stuff. And, you know, apparently your dual program is like intense. So, um, you know, thank you for your time and I really appreciate it. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and jump right in. So if you wouldn't mind just like introducing yourselves and just tell a little bit about what you do and what led you uh, to decide to work in the birthing space. Uh, my name is Ashika Tobias. I am originally from New Orleans, Louisiana, um, but I have been in Baton Rouge since Katrina. I made Baton Rouge my second home. Um, and my birth story starts in high school. Um, I was on the journalist team, and at the time, it was a lot of pregnant teens at school. Um, all of them were still going to school. All of them graduated um, from high school, and I really just wanted to highlight, like, what it was like for them. You know, it's hard being a teen as is, but, of course, adding a baby to that, um, you know, makes it a little bit more difficult, so I... Uh, interviewed all of them. It was maybe four or five of them. And I wrote about teenage pregnancy in the paper. Long story short, the paper went out everywhere. Um, my principal called me into the office and it was kind of as if I was prom- promoting teenage pregnancy, but I wasn't. I really just was 
commending them for continuing to go to school, sharing their story with us. Um, and I felt like that was the first time I really had to like advocate for freedom of speech um, yeah. as a teenager. Um, and then also advocated for these teenage moms who are beating statistics. So that's the start. Um, I think I've always had a sweetheart for like the pregnant people in school. So whether that was buying them baby shower gifts or I worked at Full Lock at the time and they put the cute little Jordan booties and I would buy people, <laughs> you know, I would buy them things. And um, once I went to college, I decided I wanted to be a midwife. And at that time, um, I wish I would have had a, just a little bit more resources and a little bit more uh, knowledge because at that time I was under the impression that if I went to Southern, I had to be a nurse in order to be a midwife. Um, so I was kind of forced to try this nursing program that I didn't do well in. And so I switched to community and human services and um, started my corporate career. And then, you know, after having my babies, um, realizing that the experience that I had wasn't the same as my peers. Um, and I think it had a lot to do with just my hunger and eager to read and learn and take childbirth classes and figuring out what a Lamaze class is and, you know, just wanting different. I don't know. It's just, you know, you try to explain it and Stephanie probably can agree. You know, some things is just in you and you don't know where you're getting all the knowledge from, but it's just in you and it comes from somewhere. Um, that's kind of how it started. And so I started my corporate career. Um, I worked for Enterprise as a branch manager, which there's not many women, um, not many parents, not many female parents. Let me say that. Okay. And so it was very, you know, rewarding to become a branch manager. But I quickly realized that, like, it wasn't family oriented, um, you know, working 50 hours a week away from my kids, trying to breastfeed in certain conditions, Um and working there, that's when I, it hit me again, like, okay, you know, there's laws for this and mm -hmm. I can do this and I should be able to do that. And that's when I decided to quit my corporate career, started my business, started doing trainings and it's been um, four years now. Wow. And I have not looked back. So that's like the that's, short story. That's amazing. So you went from like being just like inspired by your peers in high school and like experiencing mm -hmm. like just like I guess censorship in a way um mm -hmm. you know and that kind of like lit an even bigger fire inside of you to kind of like keep kind of pursuing this career this path mm -hmm. it's almost as if like you may not have exactly known like exactly how you know you were going to get there but you knew you wanted to be working you know helping women give birth um, and I definitely did not know. I did not know. Um, but amongst my peers and my family, and I think my whole family, you know, I was the first to like breastfeed in the, the younger generation. Um, excuse my kid getting juice. <laughs> but, uh, you know, breastfeed for a long time. And I realized that I set the tone with all of my generation. So every other baby after me has been breastfed in my family. And awesome. I started talking about it online. This was 20, 2014. Mm -hmm. I was in college with a little baby and I was sharing my story. And so people would reach out to me for advice or think, oh, that's so cool. 
And I've always been a leader. I've always been a management. But then I realized that, no, you don't need sugar in the juice, no. Uh, but then I realized that I could make a change because I just, some, you know, leadership is ambition is kind of just in you. And I just took it another step. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Stephanie, if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself, tell us what you do and what led you to decide um, to transition or to work in this birthing space. Sure. Um, my name is Stephanie Oliver. I am originally from Philadelphia. I am currently living in New Orleans. Um, I've been living here for the last three years. Um, we moved here uh, so my husband would go to law school. He just graduated from school at Loyola University. Um, nice. in the, within the last three years, we had a baby. Um, and after I had my daughter, um, I kind of started thinking more about something that had been mentioned to me years ago in the past. Like I had several friends who would tell me, you should be a doula. And I was like, why? Um, you know, they're like, you would just be good at that. It just seems like something that you would be good at. And I like at the time, I just thought, well, I don't have kids. And, you know, I've never outside of a cat and a dog, you know, I've never <laughs> helped anybody have a baby or something like that. And I didn't even help them. I was just kind of there. Um, so I, after my pregnancy and birth, which went all very well um I started thinking more about I shouldn't have said cat because this cat is the trigger word in this house like this sound um as soon as I had my daughter and realized like okay um I had a doula and I had I went to birth classes and that was all like very positive for me um I have been working basically with youth um in various populations for almost 20 years um and throughout my um career working with young people working with youth in foster care working with um students in new orleans i worked at an alternative school there have always been pregnant parents um and while I was pregnant I had students who were also pregnant and we would share our stories and talk about our visits and I knew you know kind of like Ashika was saying it's like you're having a different experience from other people um part of it was age part of it was you know I'm more um had more of a knowledge of how to find information and get resources mm -hmm. than they did mm -hmm. um so just kind of after I already had the baby and um everything was went well I, I just started thinking more about like okay maybe I could be a person who could be of assistance to um first I thought about teen moms but then I, like just started thinking like well, just any mom, you know, I, I have a heart for young people. Um, and so that's kind of where I would like to focus some of my attention, but not all of my attention. Um, I am new to birth work. This is not something that I've been doing for years. I mean, I've always been a supporter of people who, um, people in my life who've been pregnant um, or had uh, small children. Um, so I'm sort of, I guess, beginning my journey as you know 
as doing this professionally, I'll say. Um, I found Sister Midwife um, Productions. Um, I knew Nicole, who's the uh, founder uh, of Sister Midwife Production. I knew her from seeing her at the farmer's market with her baby. And, you know, when her daughter was smaller and I knew she did breastfeeding groups and, um, but because I wasn't a parent, it just, it, it didn't seem relevant to me at the time. I was just like, mm -hmm. oh, that's cool. Um, but, you know, it just, she came back to me um, and I took her doula course. And then um, this spring or last winter, I heard about the Healthy Birth Ambassadors program. So I decided to mm -hmm. apply for that fellowship and I was accepted and just completed that program with the Sheikah. Um, and so I'm really just stepping into this work and trying to figure out, um, you know, how to, how to, how to do it, how would you do it all? But it is, I know I had lunch with a friend today and she was sharing with me her birth story and she had a doula there and she was just like, I don't know what I would have done if I didn't have somebody there. Mm. Um, and we talked about how so many people, we, especially uh, black people, we kind of always have this not not everybody but a lot of people we think with our pocketbooks and you know how much is something going to cost and this yep. doula seem extra you know yeah. it seems extra and so for me I'm dealing with that thought that I have for myself like this is a service that I want to provide to people um and I know that it's valuable um but you know, just monetizing things has never been my specialty. So, right. um, you know, but I know that it's, it's definitely needed um, in this state, um, in this country. Um, so it's a call that I, 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 I was telling my friend, I'm like, you could do this, you know, because she's a supportive person. There's so many people we have in our lives who mm -hmm. fill this kind of nurturing role. Um, and that's, that's really what's needed. You know, people just need somebody. So I just want to be that somebody for whomever I can be. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, that, um, thank you for sharing that. Um, so you guys both mentioned like your program. And so I actually wanted to, you know, just ask you about that. Like, can you guys tell me a little bit, or excuse me, can you ladies um, tell me a little bit about the training that goes into becoming a doula? and um, the training that you guys went, you ladies went through. I'm okay with you guys. I, I think okay. that's a gender neutral term personally. Okay. Um, the Healthy Birth Ambassador Program um, is based in Louisiana. And essentially what it is, is a bunch of women, um, women coming together to change burden outcomes and educate the community so there's four components to it. Um, Stephanie, I was telling her earlier, I'm like, you know, the past six months, we've had to do all of these things and it's very rewarding things. Um, we didn't have to pay out of pocket for these trainings. It was provided for us. Wow. We literally had to show up, complete the training, do the work um, and be present. And so um, under this, the Healthy Birth Ambassadors, all I think it's 30 of us maybe or close to 30. Um, we are doulas, we are childbirth educators, we became community health workers, and then in addition, we're all certified breastfeeding specialists. So that's the ultimate package 
for anybody, <laughs> for any birthing person, that is the ultimate package. Um, I think the difference with this is that they also give you training on the justice side of the burden world, the political side of the burden world. Um, I think the great thing about having so many ambassadors is the simple fact that we all bring something different because I'm noticing there's some of us who rather teach and you know do the hands-on and then there's the people who want to go down to city hall yeah, and make changes. Yeah. So it's so many of us where we all come together. Uh, we'll be coming together once a month uh, we do have other requirements, so it's not like you just get these trainings and you stop that you have to follow up with. Um, they want you present in the community. You know, they want you tracking your data as well and, and touching clients. Really great program. Um, definitely an honor uh, to be a part of this program. Yeah, I would just echo all of that. Um, it The training was a uh, wonderful training, um, definitely needed. One of the things that I would say is a highlight for this um, program um, over maybe other programs that provide, I don't, there's no other program that's doing this that I know of, um, particularly in Louisiana. Um, but the one of the focuses is on um, Black maternal outcomes, like like improving the um, outcomes for Black women and families, um, and just uh, women of color in general, um, which I think, I mean, we all know, I'm sure this is why you have your podcast, because it's so important that um, more people who look like us are prepared to step into these roles um, because like I said before the support is needed um, and so what the healthy birth ambassador training program did is prepare us even though we most of the women on the program were uh, black and brown women that we did have some other women who were not um, but who are very much dedicated to improving the outcomes for black and brown women um, mm -hmm we, there was a focus and attention to making sure that we all know like what our cultural biases are, even though we are a part of this group, like how do we view other people? Um, you know, it was, it was a lot that I think is really important. And I would hope that some of these pieces from um, this training kind of go out to other groups of people because Black women, brown women, women, they're going to keep giving birth and people need to be prepared um, for all of the things that come along with um, being a, a, a person of color, um, having a baby in this country. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I agree with that 100%. And I even just thinking about to my own like birthing experiences. So I had a baby last March. So I have a 16 month old, 17 month old um, out there. And I have a three-year-old and just thinking about like, just the, even, so like, I did not have a doula at either birth. Um, I wanted one, but like, to me, or at the time, you know, we just couldn't swing it financially. Um, now looking back, <laughs> I realized, um, and they say, you know, hindsight is always 2020 20, but like looking back I realized like hey you know like you could have made that investment you should have made that investment because then I would have you know had some of the difficulties that I had like I 
had really bad postpartum for like months and just was just suffering in silence. And, um, you know, there was like a lot of like fear and stuff that went into the first time, give my first time giving birth. Uh, I had really bad fibroids. So, you know, it's, it's definitely, um, it's definitely needed, you know, and it's definitely, I think, like you said, that a lot of times black families, um, you know, I can only speak for my family. You look at it as an additional expense. Like you already have this kid coming that costs all this money. Um, you know, I don't think we could swing a doula. That's that's extra or that's this or that's that. And I think having these kinds of conversations is going to, um, I guess, change the narrative so that we stop viewing these things as extra, but as like that they should just be, um, you know, like commonplace. Like it should be commonplace to like have a doula. What I would like to just ask is kind of like a general question for our audience, um, for those people who may not know, like what even is a doula and why is deciding whether or not to have a doula such an important decision? A doula is a support person um, that you can use during conception, whether you're trying, um, but a doula is a person that, you can use in various stages. So you want to wrap it up and say the perinatal period. So, you know, that can be um, prenatal, that can be postpartum, during birth, labor, um, even death. There are death doulas. There are abortion doulas. There are conception doulas. So just basically, you know, providing that emotional, spiritual support um, I think the, the great thing that I love about doulas is like we we all come in different shapes, sizes, packages. One doula may offer one thing, another doula offer a different thing. Um, but the great thing about it is like, you know, we're all serving and we're all working to make these different outcomes or, you know, support birthing people. But I think that's my favorite thing. It's just the simple fact that you don't know what kind of doula. You can get any kind of doula. So I think like they said, there's a person you love somebody for everybody. There's a doula for everybody. Um, a lot of the times people say, oh, you know, my sister's going to act as my doula. Or, oh, my auntie. And they very well can probably give you that emotional and that, that physical support. But then there's also the knowledge and evidence-based information. And there's also um, not taking your family history, but actually looking at what research is saying. Um, so as doulas, you know, we provide all those things, but we're also giving you the advocacy pieces and the education to go with it. Okay. So are there any um, general, uh, like, well, I guess, like, what should people look for when they're looking to select a doula? Like, what are some general criteria for, like, because I know you have, like, the different types of doula, then you, you can have, like, a full spectrum doula that kind of, like, goes from I guess, birth to death. Um, but like, what what should people look for when they're looking to, you know, like, okay, you know, I'm pregnant or I, I wanna be pregnant soon. Like, what should they look for in a doula? I would say um, probably the first thing is your comfort. You know, what somebody is looking for is going to be different based on the person. So you wanna find someone who, um, aligns with your 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 values or your um, desired uh, birth outcome, and you know, in terms of like how you want your labor to be, 
um, first. And that's, you only find that by meeting a person and talking to them. That's, it's not like you're buying a car and you can just go online and be like, okay, like here are all the doulas and, oh, this doula looks cute. And, you know, her website is pretty, I like colors. And I mean, that's because it's kind of a new thing um, for people in terms of thinking almost like a consumer when you're choosing a, a doula provider. Um, it can be easy to kind of go in that route of just like, oh, her Instagram page is really nice or she has a lot of followers, but that does not mean that that person is for you. Um, I think that one is important for um, the birthing person to consider what they're looking for. What is it that you're looking for? What do you, what type of birth are do you want? If you want a natural birth, then you're going to look for somebody who's going to be talking, um, saying that they support natural birth and that they can um, provide you with techniques and things like that. Now, obviously, I think a doula, you have to, any birth, you know, you should be able to um, provide assistance for, but I'm not going to go to, uh, I wouldn't choose someone who kind of, you can tell their bent is like, well, you know, natural birth is cool, but you know, epidurals are great. You know what I mean? Like that's not the person for you. Or if you know that you're very connected, you want to be connected to your um, culture or something, um, you're going to pick someone who aligns with the culture that you have. You know, some people um, are very, uh, like um, Ashika said, like the spiritual side of um, giving birth. You want some, if you want somebody who can tap into that and kind of coach and guide you through um, how to carry your baby, um, labor with your baby and birth your baby um, while you're in tune with um, the spirit world, then that's somebody, the type of person that you're gonna look for. But also um, the training is important, but I don't, I wouldn't say that's like the number one thing because a doula is a support person, but you want somebody who maybe has been through some kind of training who has say that they um that it's not just like well I had a baby and I'm gonna help somebody else have a baby I mean you want a little bit more than that the advocacy piece is important someone who's familiar with the resources in your community is very important um that's just some of the things I mean I could keep talking about all of the things but I, I think what I would say is it's going to be very individual for each person. Um, but those are some of the general things that you would look, might look for. Okay. Does it necessarily matter um, if the doula is certified or not? Or is that like just a per personal preference thing? I would, there's no like, uh, because the, the role of a doula is it's not like a doctor or a lawyer where you can you know go to school and get a uh, a doula degree or a certification there's no like national board certification there are a lot of different um training um institutions that provide certifications um but they're all different um, and so you have to kind of do your research and know, like, you know, if you look at, for instance, like Dona, which is a really big uh, doula certification 
program, um, look at their website and see like, what are the things that they're teaching their doulas? Um, does that align with something that you're looking for? Um, there's a lot of different programs that you could go through. Um, but again, it's going to be up to the individual person. If you're a person who's like, you know, the minute you found out you're pregnant, you're researching your doctor, you want to know where he went to medical school, you want to know where he did his residency, how many births he had, then for that kind of person, you're probably going to look at, okay, where did this person get their doula training? Because that's important to me, because it makes me feel more secure to know that this person has gone through some training. But some other people might just be like, I just want to feel supported. I want to feel comfortable with that person. I don't really care what doula training they did or if they did a doula training I just want to feel like somebody is on my side and can help me um, through this process so I don't think that it necessarily matters because it's it I think again it's an individual it would be an individual's choice um, how big a role the certification is for them because there is no like state national doula certification got it got it and Ashika, you know, please definitely um, weigh in here. I'd love to hear your thoughts as well. So, um, you know, for some people that does matter, um, but I've learned over the years that it does not. And um, I have done, I've done donor doula training and I've also done sister midwife training. And for me, I did my donor training in three days. Okay, yeah. Three days. And my sister midwife training um, 10 weeks. Okay. So you can see the difference right there. And I mean, the prices are one and the same. Um, I did the donor training because during COVID, they, you know, sometimes the hospitals like to pick and choose with trainings and, you know, You've done your training here. You can come to this hospital, right? Okay. Uh, donor is considered, quote unquote, gold standard um, for the hospitals. You know, they want to see certified donor trainers, but it's literally three days. You can assist three birds and call yourself certified. Okay. Whereas sister midwife, I'm still in training. I'm right. still learning. You know, we're on the stages of labor. We haven't even gotten to postpartum and you know what I mean? So um, just in my own personal research, that does not matter. Um, you know, you learn your doula. You can talk to them and do a consultation and see if that's what you want. Are you seeing the content they post? If you're a big energy person, you can go off of that. But just because it says certified, it, it honestly does not matter. Okay. All right. Thank you for clarifying. Um, I think a lot of times, especially, you know, even when I was um, researching, you know, it was definitely uh, something that I, I was like, oh, you know, I'm gonna get a certified doula, like, you know, and um, and now, like, and I, at at one time, I was actually interested in um, being certified to become a doula, um, and then throughout that process, I realized, well, like, this is a weekend, literally, like, a weekend class that I could take, just like one weekend, and like, then I'm uh, I'm a doula, and like, that's that to me seemed like it didn't really add up because I know what I went through uh when I was pregnant and giving birth and in my postpartum period and I know that I would not want just someone who had like a weekend worth of like training to like come and like try to help me navigate new motherhood like so um yeah thank you for clarifying that 
um, one of the, I, I, I think a lot of times when like policymakers and we're having this like national conversation around maternal health, um, I think a lot of times they leave out the voices of like, birth workers or like doulas. And so like, uh, you know, with the pandemic, it has employers thinking differently about how they want to employ, so, excuse me, how they want to support employees. And so like, I think a lot of times in those conversations, like the, the voices of like the doulas are left out. And so like, what advice do you have for employers for how they can better support families navigating pregnancy um, and specifically like postpartum breastfeeding, you know, that transition back to work. Like, what do you see, like, what would you like to see from employers in, in terms of just like supporting families better? The first thing that I can start with, just like what I tell my clients is, you know, communicate. You know, you wanna talk to your management, talk to your supervisors. Um, and read your paperwork, read your paperwork, know your policies at work, um, you know, know what you can do, what you can't do, what you possibly can do, um, and literally just communicate those needs. Um, you know, sometimes it's kind of tough to fight those things, especially if, you know, the mom doesn't have any serious medical conditions, then the doctors don't sign off to extend them. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, but just simply knowing what's available to you and learning how to use those different things. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think for like an employer, knowing one, what the laws are, like what you're supposed to be providing to your employees um, in terms of um, leave and um, breastfeeding accommodations and all of that kind of stuff, an employer, needs to make sure that all of the managers and supervisors know all of that because I think that that's where the problem starts you know one one manager doesn't know the law and so they tell they're telling somebody like oh well you can't take off or no you can't sit down during your shift um maybe because well you're not that pregnant you know what I'm saying and they're not realizing that that's not that's against the law you know so I think an employer needs to make sure that everybody knows um, what they are supposed to I don't obviously you shouldn't just do the bare minimum but you need to know at least what the bare minimum of um, support and accommodations you're supposed to provide a pregnant um, person um, while they're working and then the after you know postpartum um, side of it what you know what's the time off looking like um, a breastfeeding like I said um, you know, adjusting hours for childcare, all of those things are things that employers need to make sure that they are aware of um, and that they're doing, you know, and that everybody who's in a decision-making um, position is aware and, and following through on those things and that the employer employees know what their rights are. I think a good employer should know make sure that their employees know what their rights are so that they don't even have to like, you know, be afraid to say like, oh, I'm pregnant or, oh, I would like to have a space where I can breastfeed. Like if you have an employee who you know had a baby, you should be coming to them first. Like maybe just to say like, you know, I don't know what your plans are, but we've we have this room available on this floor or we have this space where you can potentially breastfeed or I mean um pump or whatever it is that you need it would be great if employers were more like forced 
coming in that way. Um, instead of, I feel like a lot of um, workers feel, um, it's like, it's afraid, like, you know, there's fear to yeah. even talk about um, pregnancy and having a baby because you're like, dang, well, now I'm going to be out of work. And that, that, that has consequences for, you know, my paycheck and all that kind of stuff. So I think that's the a really important thing that. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, I, I completely agree. And I love your comment about, you know, just like keeping the being, there is a lot of fear and a lot of like hesitancy on the part of the employee when you, you know, you're trying to decide, okay, well, like, do I want to like go early so they know, or do I want to like wait until like, I'm like eight months pregnant and there's nothing that they can do or, you know, and it, there's like kind of this little dance that everybody, everybody does to try to like figure out. And it's always so awkward and, sh and, but like, it doesn't have to be like if employee employers were upfront about like this is our policy um and even just like not even like even just like making that information accessible i know when i was trying to fill out my um family leave emergency form thing like it was just so confusing like i just like i didn't at the, like i just didn't even bother like um i also had like health problems so i ended up having to leave the workforce but like you know, it was, it was just so like convoluted. I couldn't even, you know, you had to access this form and go to this person and like, you know, just making the, the kind of streamlining the process, I think would be so helpful, um, you know, for, for new families. Um, so yeah, thank you for that. Um, I did also want to ask, um, what so then what are some favorite books tools technology and like resources and things that you use to support mothers through you know pregnancy birth and postpartum period so like I'm that's anything from like favorite books to like favorite websites to favorite like apps like pregnancy tracker apps or like the earth app like what are you guys using what are your favorite things to like use to, to help you in your work so for me, the very first thing for me is always um, continuous education. Um, I'm not the type to just take one training and that's that. Um, so I'm always looking to advance and finding more trainings. Sometimes some things I may not be used to, um, but just to expose me to it. So that's where I start. And then the second thing is... Um, just making sure that you're keeping up with the things that may be changing because it's forever changing, like everything else in the world, right? Um, forever, ever changing. Um, one book that I can think of that was very resourceful, just for me starting out, um, I did the Lamaze Childbirth Education Training. Okay. And there's a learning guide. And that learning guide is about 500 plus pages very resourceful though and it has articles where you can go and research multiple articles okay. it has you know statistic it has um different techniques you can use with that topic um very detailed that's the first one that i personally started with um and then there's another book i think by penny skimpskin it's like pregnancy childbirth and the newborn that's another really good read um all of my resources from my sister midwife training you can go right online, find a portal and look at it. Um, for my herbal training, I brought like a, um, I don't know if it's a syllabus, but it's like a guide 
and it has different southern traditions of different teas and different natural things that you can use right on hand. That was by Mr. Vine Bailey, uh, Bailey uh, with Community Bird Companion. So I use that as a quick guide. So if I have a mama saying, oh, I have heartburn, um, I might think of one herb that I've learned in multiple training, but I can go into my book and even her trainings and um, find some other herbs and make a concoction for my clients. So those are the few things that I use. Um, these are like every other day. Oh, and then evidence-based birth is really good too. Okay. Evidence-based birth. Yes, really, really good. Thank you. Yeah, I'm going to be everything that you guys reference in this interview, I'm going to be linking in the show notes so people can, you know, click on them and just check those resources out. Yeah, I've, I'm just going to kind of echo uh, with what Ashika said about the just continuing to learn and being open to, um, you know, know everything you know you could do one training and things change all the time so just keeping current because I'm new to this work I'm I'm listening to the what she could say because I'm like okay like I need to uh look at that book or I need to check out I mean evidence-based birth um any resource that you think a parent um or a pregnant uh person would would be useful for them that's something that you should know about because even if it's not something that you personally would use you could always say, well, hey, did you download you? I don't know how many, if you use this tracker, you know what I'm saying? But um, the, here are some that I've heard some good things about, you know, just to provide people with some options. Um, I really uh, encourage the, the two people that I work with to just the, that want the counter kicks app, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's just something really simple that people don't think about, but you know, it, it, it could help you to have something that you are counting the movements of your baby. Um, I used it when I was pregnant. So I'm like, well, it works because I, I used it and I thought it was great. So just, I think if you're a person who's going into this work, um, just thinking about what's going to be accessible to your clients, um, whether it would be from your personal experience or just have your, you're always have your ear to the ground, listening to what other people are saying are good resources um, and being able to just say, hey, maybe I didn't use this myself, but, you know, I heard that this is a good um, resource. Okay, great. Um, so what's it like being a doula in Louisiana and what are some of the most important messages that you think people need to know about doula access in Louisiana? I love being a doula in Louisiana and just like any other job, you know, you can go many other places where things are already booming. Like Atlanta is booming in birth business mm. and um, you can make more money other places. But I have it in my mind that if I leave Louisiana with the knowledge that I have, that I will be doing a disjustice to mamas in Louisiana and that Louisiana is where it is because people leave. Um, people leave. So my heart is here. My work will always be here. No matter where I may live, I'm going to be a midwife in the future and I'm going to speak that into existence. I will be a midwife in Louisiana. And so um, I love it. You know, we're all in the building stages. And what I love the most is 
we may not see it and it's very small right now, but like me, Stephanie, you know, all my birth friends that I've made, all of these ambassadors, sister midwife, Mrs. Nicole, Mrs. Divine, um, Mrs. Webb out there in Streetport, who's a midwife. We literally are all a part of the change. Miss Charlotte out in Opelousas, midwife, you know, essentially we're all a part of the impact that, um, you know, changing those birth outcomes in Louisiana. So, you know, you know how you stay on the ride and you just keep going and you're going and you're going. We're a part of that change. Um, when it comes to access to doulas, there are doulas everywhere, literally. Um, there are directories that you can use. Sister Midwife has a directory. Um, oh, what's the other one? It's like B-I-P-O-L-C, I think, has a directory. Um, if you Google it, you'll find different things come up. But sometimes you can't just stop at Google. Literally, I have no reviews on Google. But if you go to my Instagram, you'll see I'm kind of engaged. Um, TikTok, using hashtags. Um, sharing, even if you're not expecting, you know, one day you might expect just sharing those different posts and different things that you read. Um, I do know that there is one program that in certain parishes offer um, either, it could be a discounted rate or free doula services. Wow. Under Medicaid, I'm a contract doula with this company that's Community Birth Companion uh, with Mrs. Divine Bailey, which I think is awesome. You would think that everybody should have a doula, right? Right, right. Right, so, you know, there are resources and that's another thing, a great thing about looking or searching for a doula because you never know what resources we have. You never know who we know who might have some other resources I don't know about, right? Mm -hmm. So just starting there, even if it's from a resource standpoint, could change a mama's life or a birthing person's life. Right, absolutely. I feel like I can't really answer the question very well because like I said, I'm new to this, but I will say um, based on what I'm learning, um, through um, other doulas who are uh, in Louisiana, um, through the trainings that I've been through is that the doula landscape in Louisiana is changing for the better. Um, so more people, um, particularly more um, Black women are being trained to provide um, this very crucial service to the um, women and families of Louisiana. Um, it's just really, really important work. And I'm, I'm grateful to all of the people who are working to create the change that Ashika was um, just speaking to. Um, so I think that hopefully in the coming um, years, you know, uh, trainings like the Healthy Birth Ambassador Program will be a model for what's possible across the country to change the outcomes for um, uh, Black and Brown women um, Across the, across the nation. So I would say that, you know, the what's happening in Louisiana is very encouraging. Um, and I'm not in another state, so I don't know what other people are doing. Maybe somebody's doing something similar, but I haven't heard about it. So I think what's happening here is, is hopefully um, just a, a, a good sign of what's to come. Awesome, thank you. Yeah, um, I just like, with the recent kind of remarks from, I guess, Senator Bill Cassidy and just like this discussion around Black maternal health, specifically as it 
is in Louisiana and like, you know, just like being, you know, a very, uh, a very dangerous, I guess, space um, and place for black women to give birth, you know, um, like, I just want to know, you know, how, because like, obviously, we know doulas are important in this space. Um, but what role do doulas play in increasing the odds for black mothers and, and babies um, in Louisiana? It's a huge role. Um, like I said, just like you mentioned, you didn't have anybody um, with you when you had your baby. And so just having another person there who um, can be with you and to support you through whatever's happening in that time can change because having that extra person that's not your mom, not your partner, um, there have been, uh, there's evidence that that changes the way this, the type of services that you are provided. Um, sometimes it changes the way uh, the medical staff, um, if you're in a hospital setting, how they respond to you. And it changes how you as a birthing person, how you feel, hopefully how you feel about your birth. Um, and it makes you feel more um, empowered and, and, and confident to have a doula. Um, you know, generally, if you have a doula, you've been working with this person before the day you're going to have a baby, you know, so you've built it somebody you've built a relationship with. And it's a, just a trusted person. Um, so that could change that could change outcomes for a lot of people because some people just feel alone and not have a they don't know how to advocate for themselves and so having someone who can um sort of help you use your voice to to have the outcome that you want um can change uh things yeah no absolutely um I was just I actually did another interview um earlier this week um and they were talking about advocacy and just like the how often it it often helps when you have someone there to so you can feel empowered to advocate for yourself, um, you know, in like a hospital setting. Um, so, how how do you navigate? I guess like being a doula and having a full time life, um, jobs, business, motherhood. Like, how do you guys navigate just like all the things? I guess I would have to say I start right here. This thing right here. So I still work full time. Um, I take my personal clients. I take contract clients and I'm, we're growing. Um, and you have to have a big heart. You have to have a big heart because sometimes, um, especially, you know, if you're trying to get to a certain a certain mom or a certain family and if this family is low income and they really want to do less so you know you're working with them you know that money don't just come bam you get this much money up front mm -hmm. it's not like that you know you may get it over a course of time um so you definitely have to have a big heart you have to care um a lot of balance a lot of patience um, I know for me personally, my support system, top notch. Um, I wouldn't be able to do this without them. My kids' dads, my mom, uh, because you never know when a baby is coming, you know? So just communicating and having that support system and having people that back you because they see you're so passionate about something, 
that is what's literally working for me. Um, because some days I don't know if I'm going or coming. And in training, they teach us a lot about uh, being self-aware, self-care, setting boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a part of our training. And I truly appreciated that because as doulas, you know, especially if you're empathetic or all these other things, you're taking on all these, this energy, you know, you're taking on all these different things. Um, but if you're not present and you're not showing up for yourself, it's hard to show up for your family. Mm. It's hard to show up for your work staff. It's hard to show up for your clients. It's hard to show up for these babies, right? So that's the start where you just, you know, setting those boundaries and um, being as organized as possible. I don't have it all together. Some days I'm still trying to figure it out, you know, but I I don't stop. I'm in the figuring it out stage because I I recently resigned from my full-time job um, to devote more time um, uh, birth work. So I'm learning, I'm going to learn and I'm going to try a could. I hope I have permission to reach out to you at some point because I really do want to know how to create a balance, um, you know, so that I can make sure that I'm there for my daughter. Um, she's still pretty young. She's still breastfeeding. So, um, you know, I, I know that she has needs. So I need to like kind of balance out um, her needs, my needs and um, the need for um for my service, you know, in, in, in my communities. Um, and so, yeah, that's, I think that that's one of the hardest things that like, especially when we're super passionate about something, um, we tend to like throw ourselves into it and, you know, it becomes almost like an obsession, like a healthy, not unhealthy, like a healthy obsession, but then, you know, you still have to like live, you still have children, you still have like, um, you know, other responsibilities and things, life still happens. So, you know, being able to like, set those healthy boundaries and being able to like, make that time and space for self care is super important. And that's actually something that like, I've actually learned personally, just because, you know, I um, had a baby moved across the country and then promptly got sick with an autoimmune disease. And so, and it laid me on my butt. Like I, I wasn't able to do anything, um, you know, and it was just because I wasn't taking care of myself and putting, you know, and I'm just like putting all this pressure on myself. And like, you know, at, at this, at this point, like I really like the universe told me, okay, you need to sit down. Um, and so that's kind of like where I am now is like starting to, you know, pick up a few things at a time to, you know, just like get back into the swing of things. But it's been, it's been difficult. And a lot of times like moms don't realize that like, you know, it can, that self-care is real and boundaries are real and they're important. And, um, you know, and they can have like really um, drastic consequences. You know, if we don't listen to like our bodies, if we don't listen to, you know, um, you know, the, those limits, if we keep trying to push the limits, it can have negative um, consequences. So. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Um, so my last question is just like, what is your favorite part of being a doula? Uh, as a new doula, um, I've only assisted with one birth, um, but my favorite part, um, I, I worked actually with, she was a student of mine um, who was um, dealing with homelessness. She This was her second child. Um, she was 
19, you know, there was a lot. Um, but my favorite thing is like still being able to be a support and a resource to her. Her daughter is now um, eight months old and seeing her, um, you know, yesterday I had an opportunity to see her and spend some time with her and just see like, um, you know, how, how healthy and happy she is. Um, 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 and how healthy and happy the baby is. Um, having you there made a difference. You know, I know it made a difference for me because I didn't have anybody. And with she had because she has had another child, she knew what it was like to not have that support there. Um, so for me, that was that's been like the most, um, I guess, gratifying thing. Just knowing that my presence, because um, I feel like with her birth, I was like, I didn't really feel like I did anything, but just knowing that me being there was, um, made a difference to her. It made a difference to her family. Um, that's, that's what I, uh, look forward to, um, doing for other, other families. That's amazing. Um, I would have to say for me, my favorite part um would be the teaching part of it and I always like that part because that's kind of where that advocacy piece steps in mm -hmm. and that's where I get to show them like you know don't look at what you just seen on tv this is what research is saying and these are your rights and then, you know, getting in that birthing space or in the hospital. And then, you know, watching the nurses do some of these things that we've talked about previously. Um, and just looking at my client and we're looking at each other, like I told you, you know, because it's like we've coached, you, you're coaching them. And yeah. then watching them speak up for themselves or um, just let them realize like, okay, I do see now, I see the difference. That always, that's, that's probably my favorite part. Um, and then my second favorite part would just be them choosing me to be a part of something so sacred because we all know women don't forget their birth stories. There's many other people you can choose to be a part of your team. Um, but the simple fact that you trust me with something so sacred and something so beautiful, that, that just warms my heart all the time so those, those are my my top two yeah, yeah i agree with that wholeheartedly wow uh, that sounds that's so beautiful and um you know it's got to be similar you said i like the analogy the coach and coaching analogy is like it's almost like you know you're planting this seed or you're helping you're you're planting this seed in this person and you're coaching them through like what it could be you know, a life, what is very, a very real and very life-changing um, event that's happening and you're coaching them through it. Um, and then once they get to the other side, it's like, you're looking back and you're like, oh, you, you know, you've graduated and like, you get to see like all the work and the time that you guys, uh, you, you put in, um, you know, to make it a successful birth and a successful experience. So, all right. Um, well, but yeah, thank you. Yeah, can I, I just want to say one more thing about feel like it's a it's a ripple effect because 
when someone has a good experience, uh, a positive experience with the doula, then you share that with other people. And so even if it's like, if Ashika was my doula, um, you know, I could call you, you're my friend, you don't live here, but I'm like, girl, you know, I had a doula. Um, it made so much difference and it was so great. And so you're like, okay, um, uh, Stephanie had a doula and her doula was good, but I bet, I bet I can find somebody good, you know, here where I am. So it kind of just creates this like ripple where the, what doulas are doing and what doulas can do for, um, people who are, um, looking for that type of support you it just it just it's just growing and growing and I think that that's really wonderful yeah no I agree I agree with that um 100 I think that um you know I only found out what a doula was just because like one of my coworkers had mentioned it to me and she mentioned it to me because one of my other coworkers was her doula and so I was just like I didn't even know doulaing was a thing. Like, what is this thing? Like, and that was even before I had kids and I like sat her down. And I was like, tell me everything. Like, you know, so yeah, it, I definitely love that the ripple effect um, analogy. Um, so yeah. And also it's sorry, accessibility. I think that the more people who have doulas, the more, because I know when I originally thought about doulas, I thought that that was like something for people with money, you know, like, oh, rich people have like doulas, you know, it sounds right. fancy or something. It's not, but it sounds fancy. So just that ripple effects increases um, accessibility, which is very important. Absolutely. And yeah, because like representation matters. And so if you're seeing people that look like you, they're in the same socioeconomic status as you with doulas, then it's like, okay, well, maybe that's a possibility for me. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Ladies, thank you so much for your time um, today. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, I am so thankful that you guys were just able to, you know, just provide this um, conversation on, you know, just like the importance of, you know, doula, what, what a doula represents and like how this role impacts birth, um, you know, not only in Black communities and Brown communities, but across the nation, like how it it impacts birth because we have a nationwide maternal health crisis. Um, and so it's important, it's important work and it's important that our voices are heard and um, you know, those stories are told and those narratives are told. So thank you so much. Pregnancy and a new baby can bring a range of emotions. Many women feel overwhelmed, sad, anxious, and or exhausted at different times during their pregnancy and even after having a baby. These feelings can make it hard to care for yourself, care for your baby, or even do basic daily tasks. Sometimes these feelings go away on their own, but for some women, these emotions if they last more than two weeks, like in my case, um, are more serious and need treatment. The National Maternal Mental Health Hotline provides 24-7 free confidential support before, during, and after pregnancy. The hotline offers phone or text access to professional counselors, real-time support and information, response within a few minutes, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, resources, referrals to local and telehealth providers and support groups, culturally sensitive support, and counselors who speak English and Spanish, interpreting services in over 60 languages. 
the National Maternal Mental Health Hotline can help. Call or text 1-833-9-HELP-FOR-MOMS, or that's 1-833-943-5746. Thank you.